This is The Essential Guide to Surviving Humanity with Michelle Frost and Gareth Wax. Today we are going to look at the subject of narcissism. And as you know, G, this is a really important subject to me. I would say it's absolutely intrinsic to your very soul. Yeah. I've thought about it a lot. I've researched it a lot. And obviously it's a, a term that I suppose... I associate with my own family, with my mother in particular, and I wanted to get to the bottom of why I am who I am. Way back when I was in my 20s, um, I remember a counsellor saying to me, I think you're the daughter of a narcissist mother. And it really didn't register at that point what that meant. And I think he told me to go away and read a book. And this book came to me much later on in my life and it all made sense. Hang on a moment, so did you not go read the book when he told you to at the time? I didn't. I know what it was. I felt that I would be somehow betraying my mother. By, yeah, I thought you know, I was going to count it. Hang was... on, is this going to wind back to that Catholic guilt yeah, we talked about? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, I think even outside of religion, you don't diss your own parents. I think there was something there about... That was the norm when we grew up. Yeah. You know, if your parents said something, that kind of became rule of law, didn't mm, it? And also to admit that you didn't have the perfect family. I just want to do a sexy check. You'll find out the reason for this later. Do I sound too sexy to you? And am I sounding diminished in my voice? No, you sound about right. <laughs> Looking at the literature around this subject, like many of the subjects we've discussed, there are at least hundreds of books around narcissism, how to survive narcissism, how to handle a narcissist. Oh my God, there's a book about every aspect. There of it. is, there's, um, yeah, how to, well, this fragile buddy, which I think is a really interesting one. I've chosen three that I think are in different ways interesting in terms of defining narcissism. You read them all roughly the same time or were they read over a period of time? Over a period of time, okay. definitely, yeah. I've recently reread. I'm not crazy, it's your mother. The first one I want to come to is called Narcissism, the Denial of the True Self by Alexander Lerm. I've chosen him because he's a writer and also a psychotherapist who's done loads of research on this subject. His book has loads of case studies about narcissists, but he gives a really good introduction which describes the nature of a narcissist, the traits of a narcissist. I'm going to read that and then we can sort of discuss around it. Contrary to popular belief, narcissists do not love themselves or anyone else. They cannot accept their true selves, constructing instead fixed masks that hide emotional numbness. It's the emotional numbness that interests me in this subject, and I, I just read a little bit more. It's just one paragraph that he, uh, it's the introduction of this book actually. Narcissism describes both a psychological and a cultural condition. On the individual level, it denotes a personality disturbance characterized by an exaggerated investment in one's image of the expense of the self. Narcissists are more concerned with how they appear than what they feel. Indeed, they deny feelings that contradict the image they seek, acting without feeling. They tend to be seductive and manipulative, striving for power and control. They are egotists, focused on their own interests but lacking the true values of the self, namely self-expression, self-possession, dignity and integrity. Narcissists lack a sense of self derived from body feelings. Without a solid sense of self, they experience life as empty and meaningless. It is a desolate state. When I think, unfortunately, you know, the Western world in general is going that way. But he looks at case studies later on, and I find them really interesting, because although there's this sense that narcissists don't have feelings, that they are lacking in empathy, they don't care about anyone else, they only care about themselves, and the world revolves around them, there's a case study where this man comes to um, Lowen and says, my wife has decided not to marry me. We've been together for years, but she's decided, you know, she doesn't want to marry me. And the wife says, well, there's something missing. I'm not getting any feelings from 
from you. And with a little bit of exploration, this man says, I don't have feelings. I don't know what they are. And, you know, she's asking for something that I can't give her. And Loen says, well, you know, she wants you to light up when she comes into the room. She wants you to get for your heart to start beating quicker. And none of it. He just doesn't get any of it. He doesn't understand yeah. what, what this is. You I know. get all of that. Mm. With a little bit more exploration, Loen says, I guess, delves a bit into his history. And it turns out that this man's mother was hysterical. She was a t- hysterical type. You know, there's a type that's hysterical, neurotic. And the father was this very cold, hostile man. And the two together, the hostility of the of the husband would get her into a h- hysteric state. This man associated feelings with madness, with insanity. When Lewin said to him, well, every human has a feeling. It's what you need feelings to be alive. The man said, well, I am dead. He said, I'm dead. I decided to be dead. I decided to be dead. So in, a, in other words, he said, if I have no feelings, if I avoid feelings, then that's a safer place to be than insanity. He chose death over insanity. Well, are you saying it was actually a defined decision on his part? Conscious effort to become dead? Yes, dead on his feelings. So to, to s- moment, And he hadn't noticed it all this time. The, in the inception of the noticing that this might be taking place was the fact that his wife said, I'm not getting enough back from you. I think narcissists are not able to really be self-aware so he was... Was he a narcissist in this? Yes, yeah, yeah. He was, he oh, was a wow. narcissist in that... I feel sorry for him. Yeah, well this is the thing. So that's just reminded me of a quote where he says um, life is a stage and when the curtain falls upon an act it is finished and forgotten and that's how narcissists feel if they're not seen, if they're not on stage then they're forgotten, finished and that emptiness is a life beyond imagination. Does that so, make me a narcissist? Because I don't feel full unless I'm performing on a stage or something. It's a good question because I don't think you are. I think you... I'm more of a sociopath. I don't know. I wonder whether you've done a bit what this man has done and decided that feelings at some point weren't useful for you or weren't allowed. That that is definitely possible. I don't remember doing it uh, consciously. May have suppressed them. Mm. And I'm seeing them come out more now that you're spending time around. You said you're surrounded by women but also with your music you're doing a lot more presenting and I'm seeing more emotion come out. So what about you? I mean, did not being the daughter of a narcissist, which by the way sounds like a B-movie, daughter of a narcissist, (laughs) does that not rub off on you? Because I like, I was bullied at school, I was bullied by my father, and so that makes me sometimes into a little bit of a bully, and I have to Mm. pull myself back from that. Mm. Does the same effect happen with narcissism? Yeah, well, the daughter of one, you tend to withdraw. I mean, it depends which way, I would say, neurotic type, if there's a personality type of being neurosis. So I know that as a daughter of a narcissist most emotions are not allowed you're taught as a young girl for me you know right uh, especially anger and hurt yeah. you really struggle with they're not allowed they're not permitted you know you're just a whining i don't want to hear you stop complaining you've no idea how good it is so that's one i have a tendency to withdraw if i'm having difficulty so it, i don't lash out i'm more it goes back on me there's something wrong with me you right know? so going back to this case study because i think it's really sweet actually what this man said you know when he was asked to uh, describe his feelings he right. says i program my behavior so that it is effective in the world so he programs his behavior this is how we this is how well, it we sounds got... like he's actually being very logical. Yes. I can totally understand. And he it. totally went. He, that's why he identified with his father, who was. It, it was a coping mechanism, right? Hmm. He identified it with his father, who was very much sort of an IT technical type, very logical. So Lowen says love contains ardor or passion, which is not simply respect or affection. Right. Eric responded by saying that he didn't want Janice to leave him. He believed that they could make a good breeding team and form a workable partnership. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's a type of narcissism which is a breeding team. Yes. 
<laughs> I just thought that just said so much. So there's a sort of narcissist that or are brought by their wives for therapy and they are already like miles ahead because there's a sort of self-awareness. Most narcissists don't go to therapy because they are not aware of their own faults. I thought it was because they didn't want to have to face the abject truth. I, I don't think situation. they I think they just deny it. That they just deny that there's something wrong with that person they say. Right. We're all there. We're all on We're the all spectrum. On, on that right, okay. Yeah. What he's talking about is a kind of pathological type of narcissism. Right. A disturbance, a narcissistic disturbance where they are kind of doing harm to those around them. Let's talk about some of the traits because maybe people listening will want right. to know what we know. Well, no one... No, Writing on a postcard no, if any of this replies to you. No, no, seriously, don't. <laughs> and I, don't. Yeah, and I, and I guess, you know, we've talked about this before, I probably attracted narcissists into yes. my life. When we first met, what, four or five years ago, the guy that you happened to be seeing at the time I kind remember of who matches that is this. I remembered who that is now. Just it matches yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, completely. He's a, a jazz player, uh-huh. all about himself. Uh-huh. I, you know, I never knew when I would You were there as like rent an audience. I was. I was his little minion. I was his little fan club that would turn up to all his gigs and just sit there in the back. I, don't, I actually don't recognise that person anymore. I don't feel like, I hope. I think you've become not so much self-aware, but you're less judgmental and more focused on making sure you spend time with people who actually give you back. Mm, well, that's that's the key. Give I mean, you back positivity. Yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That, Wh- yeah. Which in some ways sounds a bit segregational, that you're trying to cut yourself, but you weren't. You're just trying to focus your attention on people, I think, mm. that you think matter to you. Mm-hmm. Yes, people that reflect back the best in me. And he reflected back this worthless hanger-on who had nothing to give. No, you know, I still have that. It had no value. He but I think s- it was when you visited his place and you saw how he lived as a student. Oh, and yeah, so, so talk about his image not representing ah. what he actually lived. You lifted the skirts and yeah. you saw it was underneath. <laughs> and it was like, this guy's never grown up. What we talked about before, I'm not sure if it was in another podcast, is that I was told by this therapist because I was brought up in a narcissistic environment. Yes. When I meet a narcissist, and uh, you know, we're talking maybe about in not just intimate relationships, but friendships as well. And I see all the same traits. You know, I'm made to fit. They blow hot and cold with me. They make me feel special one minute, not the next. It feels familiar. And so I end up with these men that are replicating my childhood and it feels safe and comfortable. Yeah, yeah I suppose it's in a way, subconsciously, better the devil you know. Oh, yeah, I can read this person. I mean, mm. I got good at reading. So let's just name some of the top symptoms and traits of narcissists. All right. Control is essential. They want complete control of you. So you may find that you're being isolated. It's often very subtle. They know better than to be direct about these things. But, oh, that friend doesn't really seem to do you very much good or she doesn't seem to be very educated or so they'll talk your friends down so after a while you get isolated from work colleagues even or even they might not want you to go work at all so the isolation side that's really, very important really important it? so all the people that even your family that mean things to you they diss if you like so you might find yourself feeling really isolated so is there a pattern whereby they peel off one by one yes all the people just that little remarks and because they're so self-opinionated and so there's this grandiosity this arrogance oh. they sound really convincing they really will target the codependent yes and this is the giver they're the taker the giver is a needy person that needs to and and feels that they need to sacrifice things in order to be with someone right so they love codependence and they'll constantly pick at the faults and the weaknesses they are super bright often so they'll know exactly where your faults are we pick at them constantly reminding you blow hot and cold so you'll feel really special one minute they'll give you loads of compliments they'll make you feel special and then the tiniest thing say you forget to buy the coffee that they like they will go to the extreme tantrum furious 
maybe abusive physically as well but definitely emotionally and you don't know where you are you haven't done anything and then if they touch you or upset you they will flip immediately and be so apologetic I'm so sorry and that's not me but it was your fault you provoked me you made me do it oh my god so you made me do it is that yeah. a thing so it's twisted it's twisted oh, you wow. know where you are and you've had this yeah I, I mean I haven't had from, I would from say your mother that lemon uh, yeah that's that's my mother that's and that was mommy. that was the classic routine was it yeah yeah what do you mean you didn't buy the lemon soaked paper napkins I yes, asked you've for got the wrong one he's used to it my father I like black chocolates oh this was classic so every Christmas my father would ask whether she liked plain or milk chocolates every Christmas she changed her mind so if he bought plain she wanted why didn't you get me milk? you know I like milk chocolate and the next year she liked plain chocolate why did you get me milk chocolate I like plain chocolate you never know where you are and I guess there's an element of gaslighting so gaslighting is where you swear you know that something happened you can almost like recorded it on your phone that you know it happened and they would go that definitely that's just in your head and never happened mm. so the gaslighting is a key one so slowly slowly the victim if you like becomes more and more afraid believes in this distorted perception that the the narcissist has of them and especially as I say if you're Macau dependent as a child you couldn't be more dependent. No, well you're in that position where you have to be codependent. Yeah, it's kind of yes, like yes, the law. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. So which is why I guess daughters of narcissists is such a big thing. It's not such a big thing with men, with boys. Why is that? I can only speak for myself, but my mother saw me as a reflection of what she didn't have because I haven't got married. I am free. And she saw in her you know that her lost youth her Did she give you that impression directly? Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Was it through lots of subtle hints or something? She didn't like me talking about boyfriends I never really see this is the thing after a while you know she didn't like you talking about boyfriends I thought that's what what girls and their mums yeah, talked about you know the subject to avoid so pretty much after a while I avoided all subjects don't talk about relationships don't talk about anything good that's happened she didn't like things that were going well with me so don't talk about only what talk would about... happen if you talk about stuff that was going well for you she'd turn it back to her oh it's alright for you you're so lucky you've got so many friends I don't understand why you have so many friends she'd say do you know you've done that a couple of times yourself if I'm talking about something that's good that's happened to me and you happen to be going through a point where things aren't you'll turn that around and say do you know what it's all very well for you please it's not fair that you're talking about nice things when yeah. things aren't going right yeah, for me yeah. do you think that's a little bit of your mother coming through probably I think that's more... I mean it was never major we rubbed along but you know it's, it's, it's useful to, to, to see where things are coming mm. from or where they're going to would this be a good point to perhaps talk about what we were talking about just before we came on air, which is the which is the fact that we'd already recorded a podcast similar to this one. And when you heard it, mm. you heard the voices in a certain way. And that started off a chain of events inside your head to make you... I'm not saying it, it wasn't there, but I'm saying that it made you start feeling a certain which made you cycling down. Well, I mean, going back to what you said about me finding it difficult when sure. people are... Sure. I see it as showing off, you know, showing off the, the the good things that are going on in their lives without sensitivity to where I'm at in my life. But I think that often go. I think that goes a little bit back to the daughters of a narcissist tend to be hypersensitive, quite lonely actually, and yeah. easily depressed. So I would say maybe there's element of it might be in a depression at that. Point. and of course people don't know that so. which well, is quite normal when you have a conversation with someone say so what's going on with you that you tell them I'm, all your good stuff yeah I'm feeling you know a low mood at the moment please don't tell me about all the things you're celebrating at the moment 
but as Heather says, you know, and you say, mm. you know, just celebrate others' success. Absolutely. Get but, reflected glory. I, I, I do yeah, that a lot. Yeah, and sometimes... I do that with Heather all the time because yeah. I, I love her stuff. So, yes, it was interesting because goes back a little bit to Eckhart Tolle's were the pain body. Oh, God, not Eckhart Tolle. Sorry, again. I know. <laughs> I slipped in. You, you guys, you've got to listen to uh, a couple of our other podcasts. Self-help one, was oh, it? Oh, the self-help one. You've got to listen to all but about a, Eckhart Tolle. There's a few things that you can take from his book. The pain body is my stuff gets triggered. Yes. So my stuff about I'm not good enough, I'm worthless, I've got nothing to offer, um, I don't have a voice, it gets triggered. So what Gareth is referring to there is that I listen back to this podcast and what I heard was... Well, don't laugh at yourself. You owned it. It's how you felt. Yeah, but um, I'm laughing at the fact that the sexy voice, which is actually all we heard the story. That's all I heard when she said, you've got to listen to this guy. So what I heard when I listened back to it on my headphones was Gareth is almost up on stage. He sounds really close to the listener's ear and he's Uh sort of almost in your ear and um, I'm trying to sort of express myself you know try to remember all the things that I've wanted to bring to the podcast yeah. but I sound like I'm somewhere at the back of the audience in the gods and this little voice going a bit like Echo if you talk about the narcissist uh, oh story kind of going I heard something about narcissism in this book that I wrote so I listen to it and I'm so upset I go on this massive pain body journey because it's my stuff and I, all the stuff gets triggered about men I Gareth want to silence me they want to be on centre stage mm-hmm. and women just to these little minions that aren't important and, and why do I even bother because they're always going to make me feel smaller and less important and then we had a lovely chat which is Gareth said that is not my intention I want to empower women but this I is love probably- women I love Michelle very much I love Heather very much I'm blessed to have at least four or five really close female friendships and all I want to do is help them in not in that sort of male mm. I want to do it for you mm. but just remove obstacles from their path so they mm. can be the, the amazing <laughs> flourishing humans that they are and unfortunately the sad thing about being the child of a narcissist being around narcissists is you just don't trust people and your red flags of a narcissist are, are get a little bit overused so I see red flags where they're maybe not even there but the know. interesting thing about this is it brought up our question which was quite simply this how do you know I'm not gaslighting you well I don't so I... how do you rectify your mind when it's okay okay Gareth isn't gaslighting mm. you maybe what he says is right maybe he does want to empower me or could it go the other way hang on a minute it's really hard Gareth it's a really good question because okay I've been to loads of therapy and you know I've listed the amount of different oh my workshops God. guys check out the self help one it's going to blow you away because I have trust issues yeah. um, and there's a, again a big part of being the daughter of a narcissist you don't trust anyone someone could be nice to you for a month and then suddenly turn on you yes you never know when that flip is going to happen no but you're, you're constantly expecting it, it yeah, aren't you you're waiting yes. for it to happen so joy most moments of joy and happiness and even in a relationship are limited they're time limited they are limited my friendships I feel are limited and that's my own projection I'm going to say the thing now you ready here we go Michelle I hear you know all about the legend of Narcissus would you tell me all about it please <laughs> seriously uh, she does and it's really cool it's okay. a good story I think we covered most of the traits some more will come up yeah um, yeah but those yeah. are the main ones now tell me where it all comes from well it all comes from a Greek myth which actually then got rewritten by uh, Ovid Metamorphosis was it Metamorphosis called? it's all about transformation which, and, from which we get the expression metamorphosis yeah the, the change from one state to another but mm. this story is pretty good actually yeah I mean it's quite a sad though it's a, yeah, it is it's a, it's a cautionary tale about unrequited love and the main characters are Echo and Narcissus Echo's one of those people that you meet at parties that just keeps talking and doesn't stop so she gets cursed for that poor Echo she gets, she gets cursed well by. she gets used by Apollo to distract Hera his wife it's really naughty 
And she says, look, you go and talk to Hera, and I'm going to have my way with a few nymphs. So for once, he wasn't actually shagging her. He was using her to distract his wife, I don't Hera. think he did shag her. I'm not sure. I think Porn Echo was beautiful. She was just a pawn. Yeah, she was beautiful and in, um, educated in music, apparently. And so Hera I'm liking, finds I'm out... I'm liking her already. Hera finds out that she's been tricking her. So she says, right, what's the worst curse I can put on a beautiful, educated musician? She takes away her voice. Not completely her voice. She takes away her own voice. And all she can do, Echo, is repeat what everybody else says. Hence the expression Echo. Yeah. All her life, all she can do is repeat what other people are saying, which I think in itself, in this current age, is quite significant. Anyway, Narcissus comes along. Are you making a commentary about the fact that everybody seems to be replicating what everybody else has already done before yeah. or, yes, certainly also, is in music have you yes, noticed that yes but also yeah and also in social media people are just quoting people that are celebrities people on the news yeah and but they, they themselves are quoting stuff off exactly. from thousands so it's all, of years it's all, ago yeah no I agree it's all rehashed everything's rehashed so I think there's something interesting about the fact that that's her curse is to not have her own identity her own voice she just has to you know. I've had an idea for another podcast which is which is one of the topics that I most bang on about but kind of leads into mm. this which is about uniqueness mm. people desperately searching to be unique well in fact that's in the next book individualism but so oh. I'm coming to that yeah 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 so tell me more about Narcissus so, so Narcissus is this beautiful handsome young man I guess you know today he would be are probably a celebrity just because he's so good looking and he's mm-hmm. been probably on The Voice or mm-hmm. Big Brother or uh, Love Island. Super sexy, but he doesn't know it yet. He's got a lot of interest oh, from a, a lot of the nymphs. But that's not mirrors around, you see. I was just thinking, in the Greek time, there wouldn't be many mirrors. Well, there were polished... Uh, remember, they they specialised in polished bronze. Oh, so he might have got a glimpse of himself yes. in that. Yeah. And of course, to... there's water. Well, only at, not, up, not up until the, mo- the point yeah, of the curse. The yeah. of the so curse. he just has been, you know, maybe doing some hunting, hunter-gathering and doesn't really know and Tiresias you have to there's always a blind seer in these always a blind blind seer and the blind seer predicts that as long as Narcissus doesn't see himself doesn't look upon himself I think is the translation he will live a long contented life that sets us up doesn't it for the expectation of right is he going to actually see himself and I think that's really a bit on the well, our current understanding of Narcissus but I want to know how he got the curse in the first place he just was rejecting a lot of nymphs he was just being quite mean and Echo was the main I think Echo was the final straw because right. she's a sweet young nymph who follows him around and falls immediately in love with him when she sees him. Was this after she herself had been cursed so she couldn't actually He's aware of a presence you know when someone's following you around yes. aware of a presence and he goes who's there and she goes who's there, who's there, who's there she can't talk to him, she can't communicate with him so he rejects her and the story is that she fades away and becomes just a whisper so going back to when I heard myself in the background and you this sexy were you, were you I, felt like, I, I felt I've been cursed, I've had the echo curse I'm just as if a whisper in the background so she fades away and Nemesis I love Nemesis Nemesis is the god of, of the goddess of redemption and she says this is not good enough this man is you know he's not kind you know he's using his good looks to use nymphs he's probably doing a bit of sleeping around I mean you know he's in his 20s yeah yeah I remember all those guys yeah. my, when I was young you, you, the handsome <laughs> you know, guys it's not in the myth but we can just assume yeah and so um, the curse was that he would look in the mirror not, well obviously this was a, a lake look in his reflection in his reflection in the 
water. And indeed, he spots his reflection in the... Uh, I was just remembering something... In a stream, that, I, I just remembering that something Russell Brand said about this. In, the, in a pond, and he sees his reflection, and he falls in love with it. He stares and he stares, and the more he stares, the more he falls in love with it. And of course, you can't have love back from your reflection. I mean, your reflection doesn't give you love back. It's no. an unrequited love. So in the way that Echo was unrequited... <laughs> I remember Russell Brand in some... I don't know when it was I heard it. said, uh, his own reflection. I just wanted to get, get hold of my reflection and snog it. And... <laughs> <laughs> and then the end of but the story. But he dies, doesn't he? The version I've heard, I'm not sure if it's the Ovid version, is that when they come to the, the nymphs create the funeral pyre for him, right. he's not there. But what is there is the flower, beautiful flower, which they now call the nar- Narcissus. It's, called, it's a flower, isn't it? Called yes. the Narcissus. Yeah. I think it's a cautionary tale that also is relevant for today because we, with, and I'm going to come on to that, with the selfie generation, the selfie obsession, we are constantly looking at ourselves and we are constantly in it's not a perfect image it's not a perfect image of ourselves it's flawed and but we're trying to disavow those flaws if you notice how many new filters there are coming up oh my more goodness. and more filters to remove this to remove that to make you look younger Absolutely. to make you more like cartoon like yes. to make you more like disney like yeah you can you could change your your color of your eyes you can give put makeup on you can yeah in a world that where people seem to value truth but then they don't no exactly maybe that that wasn't part of the cautionary tale but a bit as we said just now you know the fact that echo was not able to communicate with her voice is in a way it feels that we do go around repeating what we've heard other people say it's not our own truth there's a sort of narrative that's constructed in our minds that's all these voices and impulses that are coming towards us and it's hard to really define understand you know what our own thoughts are what our own story is i feel very much that way sometimes when i'm when i try to avoid social media but and I, i will come on to this, the next book, which I really highly recommend, which is called Selfie by Will Storr, who is a very successful journalist for Rights of the Guardian, The Times, New York Times. I just think it's a fantastic idea. So he's basically traced uh, the history of the self through time, from hunter-gatherers to now. And so the book's called Selfie, How the Western World Has Become Self-Obsessed. So the premise is, um, now, in order to uh, succeed in life, to get through, to even survive life, we have to be happy rich, slim, super intelligent, entrepreneurial, all of those things. And what it's created is this dissatisfied perfectionist. He says that we are suffering this terrible torture of trying to seek this impossible fantasy, which is a sort of perfection. And it comes down to what you're saying about we are creating this false mask, which is what Lohan talks about on Facebook, on social media, on Instagram. And we're seeing all this perfection, but there's no way that we can achieve it. So it's unattainable. Yes, exactly, exactly. And he sees it as a sort of terrible tragedy of the day. Um, but how he traces it is he goes back thousands of years to the hunter-gatherer times, says that really this where we are now, this technological, selfie-obsessed, social media-obsessed world, addiction really, is really recent. He I says, would say it's only the last six years. Because the, the smartphone is what's really made all this possible. Yeah, but I think what he's talking about is the amount of sort of self-obsession. Of the image, oh, okay. of, of image. image self-obsession. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, um, I think possibly you could, tra- you could track that mostly back to... Well, Andy Warhol because and pop art was all about taking commonplace images often of celebrity and repeating it multiple times well how he looks at it is um i think what lowen says and store is that all of this is about us we are affected by our environment by ecology by society by eco- you know the the general geography environment 
So we have to fit into that. And just quickly going back to what Lowen says, you know, in the last century, the neurosis was all about hysteria, women being repressed sexually. And so they would either scream or faint. Freud was dealing with that, mostly repression. What Lowen says now is that there's no restraint, especially in a narcissistic world. We've I think we're given to more outlets. That's yeah, the reason. We've got pornography. There's no, And what he says now is that men and women are coming with, they're not performing, you know, performance anxiety. In other okay. words, they, you know, they won't be able to perform. I understand what the yes. concept is. So that's the new issue whereas before it was hysteria neurosis anxiety guilt shame uh, but yeah the assumption was you could always perform in the bedroom it's only since the 70s i think the exactly and as i've mentioned before cosmopolitan has got a lot to do with it well yeah and cosmopolitan was the first that airbrushed their models so what store notices is that well there's two things the difference between western world and the east asian world but he says that so in the 50s let's say we had a welfare state, jobs for life, unionism, uh, regulations. And then I might think we had the 60s and the hippies, so it's much more sort of free love. But it was much more lax on all rules. There was less uh, of a bar to always match up to, and there were now possibilities of just either doing nothing or just exploring. Yeah, and there, and there was a sense of community still, communes. Absolutely. It was a time of community. Thatcher comes along in the 80s, and she goes... No, I'm not really happy with this this sense of community. We need to we need to put the self against the self. We need to you know encourage individualism, uh, competition. We need to create a competitive society, and it's called neoliberalism. So with neoliberalism came a very different society, which was much more about the individual, self against self. It was more dog eat dog. That's for dog sure. Dog eat dog, exactly. So along came also the um, self esteem movement. Have you know what the self esteem movement? I'm aware of its existence, but I'm hoping you're going to elucidate on yes. this. Coming back to sort of Freud and therapy, we were all kind of essentially bad people. Let's just say there was a sort of general sense that we were all, you know... Are we really... going back to that Catholic guilt thing? No, yeah. can you stop banging on about it? I'll bring it up if I want to. <laughs> Honestly, just Sorry. can't stop. Right. <laughs> but, like a dog with a bone. <laughs> went from Freud to Carl Rogers, which was right. know, about human, humanistic therapy. And it was all about, you're wonderful, you're amazing, you can do whatever you want, you have so much potential. You're sounding like an X Factor. <laughs> exactly. So you had Est, which we've mentioned in another one, where your yep. um, brand said, um, you know, you're encouraged to scream at your genitals. But whatever it took to make you feel better about yourself. So we had that kind of very much, um, and it was meant to change the world the, more, the better we feel about ourselves the better we we tell our children they are how wonderful they are the you know the world will change yeah, by, by, by osmosis and uh, just by reflection gradually the world becomes better and better because mm. we all suddenly start feeling empowered and and happy with ourselves exactly logically so then came interesting but he said in maternity wards parents started calling their children unusual names so you know had richard and david and elizabeth and Jane. Uh-huh. Then we have Trixie Bell and Moonbeam and Brooklyn and Pixie. And Moon unit. <laughs> yeah, and Paris. Why do you think parents were doing that? Because they're idiots. <laughs> well, it was so that their children could stand out. And be oh. special. It was to set them up for this special life. Uh, yeah, I know, but they, you know as well as I do, in the first 12 years of your life, you spend all your time desperately trying to hide among I the know. masses. And then the next 15, 16, 17, 18 years of your life, you desperately try to stand out. Yeah, yes. And so it comes back to your... Unless you're in the army, of course. <laughs> it comes back to your unique thing about yes. parents were doing it, and then we had the keep fit industry you remember so it's all about keeping fit and body perfect and doesn't that feed into narcissism massively so this is what he's saying he's saying 
With this best place to find a narcissist is in a local gym. Totally. So there's loads of mirrors as well, aren't there? Too yeah. right. Yeah. So he says that really what the tragedy is, that this is this toxic lie that parents are telling their children, you can do whatever you want, you can be whoever you are, as long as you dream big enough. And that's the sort of millennials. But it's not true, though. No, no and that, exactly. And the millennials are growing up, you know, with this kind of entitlement that they can do anything. And they expect, they expect them to be the next Beyonce, the next president of the US, the next Michael Jordan. What we end up is massive failure happens, you blame yourself. So what his conclusion is, I, the Western world versus the Eastern yeah, um, philosophy. Yeah, let's do that. Western world philosophy. How would you characterise that? Well, and now it's very much about the individual against the individual. It's all Fair about the potential of the individual. In Japan, China, as you know, it's very much about... Collective. It's about the firm. Mm. Mm. So, funny enough, he says that in, say, at a dinner party or an event, the Japanese will come, my name is David and I am Sony's David. I'm Sony David. So I am Sony's David. He's not a David. Aren't they, he's called, in... aren't they called a salaried man? Yeah, salary a man. salary man. Salary man. I am salary man. So it's very much about... Um, the collective they mm. don't want to stand out I remember and they I desperately want to re- they want that don't yeah, they yeah yeah absolutely um, you hit the nail if the nail comes up you hit it down so the idea is that you don't want to be uh, singled out in the eastern world if a CEO has let down his company and he commits suicide it's an honourable thing and, and there's just one experiment that he mentions in his book which is where they show two groups of people eastern Asian and western and they it's a fish tank and there's this beautiful fish Swimming around, multicoloured, gorgeous looking, you know, a bit like sexy Gareth when he's being sexy. It's yeah, that's me. So I'm, I'm swimming know, around, being in, gorgeous. In his Go bow tie. And, uh, <laughs> and the Westerners, they just look at the beautiful fish. They're obsessed by this beautiful fish. Okay. And then, because they're doing eye movement tests. And the Eastern attendants are looking at the whole. They're looking at the beautiful fish, but all the fish and the other fish in the background and all swimming around right. together. And so that's very much, um, uh, you know, he says, when we take selfies, it's like of us, whereas the Japanese and the Chinese are just group photos. They take the selfie as a group photo. So I think it's a really, I, I really encouraging, uh, really encourage uh, people listening to this to read the book because I think it really, his conclusion is um, don't believe the lie. You can't tell your children that you might win the Olympics one day because we all have certain limitations, biomechanical limitations, that means that we can't do all of the things. That I think you should tell your children they should try whatever it is that makes them happy without necessarily them having the expectation they're going to become a world-class athlete in that example. But they should try. And if they find that they've got an aptitude, then they should pile it on and keep pushing to see how far it will go. Mm, well, but with know, that, with the expectation that they're just going to try to hit the next level, mm, each time trying to exceed the next level. Yeah, play to their strengths. Mm. Except that they have limitations, their flaws. I mean, it's really hard. That they're human. A young child, it's difficult to understand. Russell Brandt in this wonderful, and I haven't plugged it yet, wonderful um, podcast uh, called uh, under the skin yeah oh. with a luminary um podcast uh, platform if you like it's so funny and he i actually my my pain body about not good enough kicked in because i thought okay he's he's interviewing deepak chopra and people with phds and richard chedrake why do i even bother so it's interesting that it triggered that but it, it, it's really worth listening to he's very very funny in it um, but you realise he got to that point by having already got to that point. I know. I so he already had to be mixing with the hoi polloi mm. for them to want to even spend time to talk yeah, to. Yeah, they're him. all celebrities, you know. And what, Gervais, what, yeah. And what do they want? 
they want more celebrity. Mm, so yeah. the only way they're going to get that is by mixing with a celebrity. So yeah. you've, got to, you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. But all I would say is this. It is scary to be in a world that seemingly obsessed by the skin-deep nuances mm. of, of appearance. Mm. However, this pandemic has brought out in any many ways some of the very best of oh, people. Do you know, you just remind me. You've just reminded me. It's so funny because I'm so glad you reminded me. So this podcast was in 2017. Okay. And um, Brandt says to Store, Will Store, what's the answer? He said, I'm afraid it's a disaster. So he didn't, this is 2017. He said, what brought people together in the past was the depression and the two great wars. And little did they know that in four years' time we were going to have the pandemic. No, a disaster which befalls everyone equally. Mm. That is, um, doesn't split, new from old, doesn't split uh, from rich or poor. Mm. That is uh, omni, that is universal, that's omnipotent. Mm. That is the only way to bring everyone together. And in a bizarre kind of way, it has done. Mm. I, uh, in my business, now mix with people from Glasgow, from parts of France, from Indonesia, that I would never, mm. under normal circumstances, now I'm their friends. Yeah, and I'm aware of people really saying, we need to look after each other. We really do, in this situation, need to look after each other. And I felt that very much as a sort of person on my own, that people have reached out in a way that maybe they wouldn't have done in the past. You know, Are you okay? Can I get you anything? Can I get you something from the shops? There's a sense of, uh, yeah, I really do feel in, in pockets, definitely around where I live, a sense of community has grown to an extent that it may not have done in the past. So it's been really interesting talking about this subject, some of the traits, some of the things to look out for. Anyone listening to this I guess we should say, how do we survive this? And we should Absolutely. talk about a little bit about how we survive this. Um, it's simple. Walk away. If you are resonating, if some of what we've talked about resonates with you, are you finding yourself in a relationship where you're feeling gaslighted and we don't know where you are, you're treading on eggshells, you've lost a sense of self, you've lost all your friends, walk away. Michelle has actually done some work and some research, which is probably good because I've done none so what she's done she's found a book which she was talking about at the beginning so she can talk a little bit more about the daughters of narcissists and we'll cover that in the section two of this yeah i mean it's about healing will store says very quickly is we can't change ourselves but we can heal this has been the essential guide to surviving humanity with michelle frost and gareth wax mm-hmm.